that sick to your stomach feeling. You know the one that I'm talking about. We've all had it. We might get it for various reasons, but inevitably, when we have lost something important, we feel that churning within us. Think for a moment about what your relationship is with the physical things in your life, the stuff that's within your house. Are you the kind of person that has a place for everything in your house. Everything is nice and neat and tidy and organized, and you maybe don't have to worry about losing all that many things. Now, I should, I should also tell you that let's do a little sample, a little poll of where you see yourself in the next three categories. So this would be category A, okay? Now, do what comes most, is what most important to you relationships in your life so that it's not really so priority if you have a neat and tidy house. Julie Hosley, you're probably like jumping out of your skin about now. But this would be category B. And for everyone who falls in between, this is category C. 17 ways to hide the clutter in your house. My husband would call this the stash and dash method, where 10 minutes before company comes over, you run around the house, dash around the house, and pick up everything on your countertops and on the floor and stash them behind your cupboards and closet doors. This would be category C. So let's go back. Category A. No, wait, I should also say. We are a church, so there's no judgment here. You can be completely free to be honest about who you are and what your preferences are. How many of you would be category A? Neat and tidy, everything has its place. Awesome, thank you for being honest. You all sh the rest of you can look around. These are the people that you should talk to if you ever want to organize your home in a different way. Now, how many of you would find yourself in category B? You know, time with people is where you love to most spend your time. Thanks for being honest. Very good. Now, how many of you would put yourself in category C, the stash and dash system? Nice. There, you know, I think at the majority of the services, there has been a stash and dash kind of people. I, too, am going to fall in the C category. So you should know that if you ever come over to my house, just be careful if you ever open a door or a closet, because things might literally fall on you. You know, this is a good way to start for today, because it helps us just think about our gospel. This is a little bit about our context. What our relationship is like with the physical stuff in our lives. How often do we lose stuff in our lives? Whether it's our keys or our cell phone as we're trying to make our way out the door. How often do we get overwhelmed by all of those physical things in our lives that we need from day to day? That's a little bit of our context. Now, we should think about the context that Jesus first told these parables in. Do you notice who he tells them to in verse 1 and 2? Who's listening to him? 
First, we hear about the tax collectors, the very people who are on the outside, the outcasts, the people who are working for the Roman government, and then the sinners, this catch-all category of people to define anyone who is outside of fulfilling and living up to the Jewish laws. The sinners and the tax collectors are coming near Jesus because they are learning, wanting to learn more about all that Jesus has been teaching and preaching. Now, who else is there? The scribes and the Pharisees, the very religious leaders of Jesus' day who knew the scriptures and who you would think would be the ones who would be yearning to go deeper in their faith, deeper in their relationship with God. But notice what they're doing. They're grumbling. They're grumbling already against Jesus and what he has been doing and who he has been eating with. Because, of course, who we eat with says something about who's important to us. It says something about how we spend our time. And so the fact that this very Jesus is in the company of these tax collectors and sinners is something that causes them to grumble. That's the context that Jesus tells these parables in. The first one involves this, one, this shepherd who has lost a sheep. Now, we might think to ourselves, if the shepherd has a hundred sheep, what's the point of losing one? Why go to all of the trouble to go and search for that one sheep? Of course, it's going to be a financial loss, but you know what? Sometimes we just have to cut our losses and move on in life. What's the point of going to all of that work and trouble to search for one lost sheep? And sheep, as you know, are not the brightest of animals. So that sheep is probably not going to be able to find his way back home to the rest of the flock or to the shepherd on his own. And you know that by itself, it's going to be an easy target for any predator that comes upon him. By itself, it is helpless, likely unable to defend itself. At least the 99 have the strength in numbers going for them. And it seems as if the shepherd knows all of this too. The helpless sheep, sheep might symbolize too this deep relationship that the shepherd has for each and every one of his sheep. They're not just simply a dollar sign, but they are an individual someone who is of worth and of importance. And if we put ourselves in the shepherd's sandals by recognizing that sick-to-your-stomach feeling that happens every time we lose someone that we have lost, we can also remember a time maybe in our lives where a child has gone missing in the midst of a crowd, and that panic, that sickening panic sets in inside of us. Or maybe this day we remember back to when the news first broke about the Twin Towers collapsing, and we remember that sick-to-our-stomach feeling, or the phone call that you get in the middle of the night, 
saying that something has happened. And what do you do? You don't just think to yourself, well, better just cut my losses. You go and you search frantically, doing everything that you can to find that lost child, to go to that person that you love, hoping and praying that they will be okay. Hoping and praying for the strength to find what you will. You go immediately. On to our next parable. This woman who has ten coins and loses one of them. Now, what jumps out to you about this parable? Who's the main character here? Male or female? <laughs> Thank you, female. So that right away should just like set off an alarm in our heads. How often are women mentioned in the Bible? So very few times. And so the fact that this woman has money tells us something about her position. Because men were the bread winners. They were the ones that worked and brought home money to take care of the family. And so what does this tell us? That we meet this woman who has ten coins. She is perhaps a widow. And so not only are these ten coins of value, they are of necessity to her to be able to have her daily needs met for her and her family. Now, a coin, it doesn't really seem like all that much, does it? We think pocket change in our minds. But one coin in Jesus' world would have equaled one day's wages. Now, you can do the math in your minds. What would that look like for you? What would that look like if you were to suddenly lose one day's worth of your wages. Whether through some scam that a person hacked into your checking account and the money just vanished like that, what would you do? Would you say, ah, I can just cut my losses? Or would you get on the phone? Would you go frantically trying to search everywhere you could to try and get that money back? That's what the woman does. She turns on, oh, she doesn't turn on the light. She lights a lamp, and then she sweeps her house, every corner of her house, frantically searching for this lost coin. And then when she finds it, she is so overwhelmed with joy. That joy replaces that sick-to-her-stomach feeling. These are these two parables in front of us today. What do you think, though, is a deeper meaning that Jesus is trying to encourage us and push us to reflect on. These parables about searching and how the search that we do is worth our time. How it is worth our investment because the people involved are worth searching for. Sometimes, though, as we know, when we go searching, we don't always find the life that we hope and pray will be there. Sometimes people die. Sometimes children still are lost. But in the midst of that and these stories, we hear of this great shepherd who keeps on searching us out, who keeps on seeking the lost in order to save them. We hear of the shepherd who is with us in the midst of whatever we face. 
whether we are lost or hurting or feeling alone, whether we have simply just wandered away. We hear through Jesus' words this day of how important and how worthy each one of us are. Not dumb and stupid sheep, but sheep worth searching for. And we also hopefully hear the good news that's meant for everyone, both the tax collectors and the sinners too. And that's where we struggle, at least myself. I struggle there too sometimes. What does that mean? What does that look like? That God extends God's grace to people who are so different in the ways that they think and in the ways that they live and the ways that they work. The people that I would think would least be interested in drawing close to Jesus are the very ones who want it. One last thing. We can't hear or read these two parables without also hearing them in light of what follows them. The other great story about one who has been lost. The parable of the prodigal son. That's what it's known by, but it's really a story not so much about the younger son as much as it's a story about the father, this loving and forgiving father who opens his arms wide open to welcome his son home who has come to himself and who has realized what he has lost, what he has turned away from. The first two parables focus on how important it is for us to search at times. But the third one reminds us of how important it is to sometimes be the receiver too, of how it is that God receives us, of how it is that we are welcomed home with God's love and grace and mercy too. And then the very end of that story, we tie back to the very beginning of Luke chapter 15 by hearing of the older brother, the older brother who has been there by his father's side all along, working hard and making faithful decisions. And he's struggling now with the actions of his father, who wanted to celebrate like the woman and the great shepherd by calling all the neighbors, killing the fatted calf, and celebrating with a great party. And the older brother grumbles, just like the text, just like the scribes and the Pharisees. Is this really worth the time and the money to throw a party? And it leaves us not knowing how that story ends. It leaves us not knowing what the older brother will ultimately decide to do. Will he join that celebration? Or will he continue to grumble? Not seeing the extraordinary gift of grace and mercy that his father has. A love that never gives up on his children. We started out today thinking about our relationship with the physical things in our lives. What we think about when we lose those physical things. But it seems as if we, if we go deeper into this parable, Jesus is inviting us to think about what our relationship is toward the ones who we think cause the messiness in our lives and in our world. 
How do we see them? Are they too of worth and of value? Are they worth our time? Are they worth our investment? And if so, the searching that we do, the constant praying that we do for them, is not in vain, but is worth every minute of it. For eventually, the joy will come as we are able to experience that we, in fact, have reason to celebrate when the lost have been found. That's our prayer this day and always for those people who are so lost in our world and in our lives. And hopefully, our prayer for ourselves can be knowing when we need to repent ourselves and knowing when we need to receive those around us with open arms. Amen.